stop. Hammer time. What's up, good bottle? This is Chris. It's cracking, Drew. Is that short enough for you? Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, it was. I'm like, I usually think I have, you know, 35 seconds to a minute and a half before I have to actually start paying attention. No. Especially, especially considering keep the, you on your toes. like before you started recording, you're like, wow, that's really interesting. I was like, ooh, plot twist. What's this song going to be? And then you did that. <laughs> also, we need to come up with a name for the listeners, apparently. Uh, uh, oh, of our good bottle listeners? Yeah. We, we can't call them. We can't call them bottlers. That sounds. Inappropriate. Yeah and whack goodies we can call them goodies no you guys want to be called goodies i'm i'm down with it bottle heads <laughs> bottle pottles bottle pottles that's like podcast but you know not right um i don't know i guess uh this is the time when we say hey hit us up on social media if you have an idea of what uh you know <laughs> what our 17 listeners should be called. That's right. Hey, uh, Mariah Carey has the lambs. Uh, I don't really know why they're called the lambs, but they are. Uh, And therefore, the whole group of them together is known as a lamely. Um, But, uh, you know, it's probably something you never wanted to know. Well, I mean, what I like about that conversation is you immediately put us on the same level as Mariah Carey, you know, obviously, (laughs) obviously, (laughs) you're just kind of like, you know, she's got all these hit songs. She had, you know, a brief marriage to Nick Cannon. So, you know, a lot of similarities here. Yeah. Yeah. Right there. Got it. Nailed it. Done. Um, well, buddy, what are you drinking? I am drinking an Arak highball. Nice. So yummy. So what goes into your, what is, what is, uh, Arak? Arak is a grape spirit, uh, that is flavored in similar method as, uh, as like gin. And mm. uh, but the the primary primary flavor, as opposed to you know juniper in gin, would be um, uh, would be anise. So black rock. licorice for our for our less yeah. food savvy people out there. Yeah, but every you know everyone's different. They all have their own their own list of botanicals and what have you. Uh, yeah, but I always like mine with with soda water. It just it's so refreshing, and it's just it's, I have a hard time keeping a bottle in the house. Um, what brand are you drinking? Uh, admittedly, this is not my favorite brand. Um, you but didn't even have to say that. Go well, it's I know it's uh <laughs> just because I feel like there's so many out there, and people are like, really that one? Uh, but this is uh, this is still good. It's uh, Arak de Masar. Okay, and uh, it is from Lebanon. Um, it's this one tends to be a little bit. Spicier than what I enjoy. I enjoy them typically that are a touch more on the soft fruit, 
bright botanical side. This one tends to be very like sharp and spicy. Um, still, still a, a, a really tasty bottle, but um, I don't know. I mean, I guess we don't have a lot of, you know, Turkish Lebanese listeners, but you know, I, we're going to after this. Damn right. I'll tell you that. Don't call me Mariah Carey for nothing. What's the um, What's the ABV on yours? Uh, fifty three. Fifty three. Okay. Yeah. So it's also a little high, right? Like, I mean, the, I mean, I guess it's not really high for a rock. A rock tends to be like what, fifth, like uh, fifty, fifty five uh, percent, whereas like Rocky will tend to be around like what forty five. Yeah. So. Yeah. And so that's actually what I'm drinking is a Rocky. Ha! Awesome. Yeah, so I'm drinking um, Effie, which is, again, you know, another grape just lit. This one's from Turkey. Um, and I, I'm i doing the same thing as you. Uh, but actually, I just did I just did water. I didn't do any ice with mine. Mm-hmm. So, are you doing soda uh, water or are you doing still water? Just still water. Yeah, yeah, that's um, very traditional. So I'm... Um, I definitely want to do soda water next because this is this has been like a fun drink, and it also for you know for everybody out there who's never had an Iraq or a Rocky or, or any of these you know types of spirits is first you put the you know spirit in and then you put water in and then ice or no ice in my in the situation I'm doing right now, but when you put the water in, it turns the spirit like this milky. White. Yeah, Lucia's. And so, you know, you feel like a little bit of a magician when you're doing it. Huh. And, I, and I'll say this. I historically have never been a big, like, Anise fan. Um, and I don't know if it's just like like a lot of other things where it's like you just get a little bit older and so your palate just starts to go different places with it. But Or, or maybe it's just because I'm, you know, I'm drinking this stuff, which is just a really well-made product and not Sambuca. But um, like this is this has become one of my favorite go tos, and you know, to what you said, mine clocks in at forty five percent, so it's a little bit lower than some of the other stuff that I've had before. Um, but I just really enjoy this stuff, and I don't feel like it gets enough play, you know, just in our just especially in the United States, you know, you just don't see a whole lot of people working with it. Um, and I just wish more people did because it's such a cool product and it does really cocktail well, you know? It really, really, really does. Um, uh, the only thing you have to be careful with is, like you said, a lot of there are a lot of people out there who are who don't like the black licorice flavor. You know, they don't like yeah. anise. They don't like they don't like, um, you know, absinthe and whatnot. And so well, I would I would put this closer to an absinthe than I would Zambuca. Um, uh, or uso, uh, just because both of those are liqueurs, you know, and they're those are right. kind of kind of more um, singular in their flavor notes. Whereas this has a lot the they tend to have a lot more depth to them, um, and a lot more going on as opposed to just that black licorice note, which is stronger or weaker depending on obviously which ones you're drinking. Yeah. I mean, I think if you're sensitive to it, like you're immediately going to taste it, you know? Totally. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, but it, it does develop nicely. And, and this is a product that I've, I've, I've actually been getting more and more comfortable with 
over COVID. Um, I had a friend of mine who actually runs a um, Middle Eastern style bar in Washington, D.C. on the virtual happy hour. And he was able to kind of explain a lot of the different cocktails that he had come up with. I mean, he's of Iraqi descent and um, he wanted to see more cocktails like that. So his bar started as a pop-up and then eventually became a full-fledged bar in Washington, D.C. And it's really cool. It's called The Green Zone. Um, And he's always doing videos and stuff. I know I think you saw it today on my Facebook. I shared uh, a new video series that he's doing on YouTube. And he's actually – his first topic was a rocks. So – or how he's – I'm trying to think of how he says it because he says it obviously correctly. Um, Addicts, (laughs) I think is – Addicts. Addicts is is how it's actually pronounced. Um, But super knowledgeable guy, also really into rum too. So we have a lot to talk about. Um, uh, yeah, I enjoyed I um, following his work when I was at Casbah as well, because uh, when I was at Casbah, we were one of I, I mean, I don't think there are really very many bars in the US that deal with, you know, at least cocktail making cocktails with these spirits. Um, I think if you put them in front of, you know, 98 percent of American bartenders, they would have no idea what you were talking about. But yeah. they do they play incredibly well at cocktails. I mean, for for obvious reasons, there's just a lot going on. Um, but as far as I know, like in the U.S., and I, I'm sure there's going to be some more out there. But I know Casbah, uh, we were working obviously with it because that's the focus of of that bar program, um, Green Zone, and then there's um, an Israeli restaurant in New Orleans, um, which I'm blanking on the name right now. Um, that has a pretty decent cocktail program. They've got a bunch of rocks and Rockies there. Um, but someone had reached out to me when I was at Casbah from, I want to say like Portland or Washington. And they're like, Hey, we heard you were working with this stuff. Like, what can you do with it? And so I, I sent them like all my recipes. I was like, these are the things that we're, we've done so far. Like take them if you want them. Um, but you know, or, you know, I was like, just give us credit, but or or you know, make something different. Yeah, but we had a lot of fun trying to trying to um, both use it as an ingredient and then also as a showcased spirit. You know, so whether it's a flavor additive or like the the main thing, um, and there's a, I mean, there's a lot you can do depending on all the different. You know, it's like working with gin or you know, after the, everyone has its own characteristics, so it's a lot of fun. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely felt a similar way like when I was starting to dive more into our portfolio because we do have a lot of rocks and rockies. And um, I was listening to one of my favorite podcasts, uh, which I know I've mentioned on here before, but uh, Shift Drink with Ed Rudisell. And Chris actually went on to his podcast, and that's how I that's how I originally learned about Green Zone. And then um, when I was in Miami earlier this year they did a pop-up at Jaguar sun. And, um, I just remember looking at the, uh, looking at like the flyer for it. And I just immediately started fangirling and then, uh, <laughs> you know, got to, got the Jaguar. I mean, I didn't, you know, I didn't know anybody that was there. Um, so I, I go up and Chris and, and his, uh, one of his buddies is they're all wearing green zone stuff. So I went and introduced myself and I mean, he could not have been cooler. And I just was like, man, I've been following you guys since listening to this episode and, um, trying to build all this stuff. And like I said, then he was a guest on the virtual happy hour and he just had 
just so much good information, you know, not only the history, but then like really cool things and how to present it to people. And, um, you know, cause again, it's, it can be a little volatile for some out there. So it was really fun to kind of go through, uh, all of that with him. So yeah, if you guys haven't had, uh, you know, Iraq or Iraqi, which you, you know, probably more than likely haven't, uh, um, let us know cause I sell it and so does Chris. So yeah, we can oh, yeah. definitely get you some. Yeah. Uh, so with all that, we're going to keep sipping on this, but we're also going to jump into our top stories for this week. You know, despite the world kind of shutting down, there's been all kinds of acquisitions and um, brands exchanging hands over the past few months. And the most recent example of that is uh, Consolation they sold the Paul Mason brandy to Sazerac. Paul Masson. Paul Masson. Sir. Yeah, that one. Um, this is off the heels of Sazerac also picking up early times Canadian mist Collingwood whiskey from Brown Foreman. So Sazerac's in a major buying trend right now. Um I think they they're also planning on selling some of their wine portfolio, but at this point, like they've been going very spirits heavy on on what they're picking up, and so with something like that, I mean, what do you see as the implications for bartenders and and you know yourself as a shop owner? I mean, you excited that um, Paul Masson is going to be with be with um, Sazerac as opposed to Constellation? I don't give a shit. <laughs> uh, um, I, you know, as speaking as a shop owner, uh, I, I mean, looking at this from like 30,000 feet, I, it looks to me like they are trying to round out their portfolio and have, have something for every demographic so that way they can increase their bottom line, mm. um, which, you know, good for them. That's cool. You know, like they're diversifying their funds. Uh, what I hope that it means is that it gives them more flexibility for um, putting more dope products onto the, onto the market uh, and, uh, and taking better care of their sort of um, heritage lines that they, that they do have. And when you say their their heritage lines, which ones are you referring to? (sighs) You know, uh, I mean, Sazerac, the name, uh, you know, the flagship, first of all, um, that, that rye is near and dear to my heart. Um, I, I love kind of everything about it. I've used it over, over many, many years. Um, but on top of that, oh man, Southern Comfort, No, you know, uh, honestly, what I what I'm hoping is that um, they they pick up more ability to produce, and we get to stop playing games with like Weller and Pappy and uh, Buffalo Trace, um, and and really, you know, I, you know what I mean because we've talked about this before when I say play the games, you know, like having to deal with buying X amount of cases, just that way me as a, as a retailer can get my hands on it or, and then have to deal with my consumers who are either happy that I have it or, 
mad that I don't have it or yeah, ha- upset at whatever price I'm paying uh, or I'm charging for it. Um, you, you know, all those things, you know, like they, they're just increasingly as someone who loves those whiskeys, uh, they are increasingly unattractive to me um, by well, day to day basis. Based yeah, on I, that. I think that's immediately where my where my brain went with it was like and and for people who might be listening for the first time and, and haven't haven't gone through this conversation before. Um, basically, what ends up happening with a lot of these very popular whiskeys, uh, in particular bourbon at this point in time, is they're they're owned by these big companies. So in Sazerac's situation, they have Buffalo Trace. So you're going to have like the Thomas Handys. You're going to have uh, also Weller and all these other bourbons that are very, very sought after. So – and it's not necessarily them, but it's also a combination of them plus a distributor where they come up with like qualifiers. So you have to you have to buy X amount of A to get C and D, you know. Um, is it necessarily the fairest thing in the world? No. And technically speaking, it's also not the most legal thing in the world. But in this industry of gray area, they really – find clever ways to make it work and to make it work in their favor. So when Chris is talking about it becoming unattractive, it's because I don't want to have to buy so much of product A in order to get C and D. So like one qualifier for them is buying a ton, and I mean a literal ton of Fireball. And so looking at something like this, you know, with the Paul Masson, you know, it, I think it can give you maybe a little bit more flexibility to hit some of those tiers, right? Like, okay, well, I don't want a ton of Fireball, but maybe I'll take on a bunch of this brandy um, because this one, they kind of go a little nuts. I mean, there's like a peach flavor. There's a pineapple flavor, um, red berry, apple, mango. So there might be some other ways to kind of get those numbers up and, you know, create new qualifiers. So you know that, that that's immediately where my mind went. Um, yeah, you know, and, you know, I, to play the devil's advocate uh, um, for them uh, against myself, uh, <laughs> I understand. You know, you only have X amount of product, right? So who are you going to give it to? Are you just going to give it to anybody, or are you going to give it to your best customers? The same way that I would do it, right? Except that, right? If I except if I were to do it people would lose their goddamn minds. Not that people don't lose their minds, but they just go, well, fuck it. This is the game that we have to play. So we're just going to do it. Um, You know, honestly, for me, I get a bottle, a case if I'm lucky, but like a bottle of Blanton's or, you know, I haven't even, I've had a bottle of Pappy grace my shelves one time and, um, you know, and then it's gone. Then it's like it never existed. So what, what was all the headache for? You know, yeah. it, does, it didn't do me any good. Uh, and so I understand now why there are like retailers who just will charge outrageous amounts of money for it because they don't mind if it just sits on their shelves forever because it, uh, it's like a it's a qualifier. You know, people walk yeah. in, they go, oh, shit, you have that. OK, well. What, you know, when can I get mine or, you know, and keep coming back for it or something like that, you know? Yeah, I, I mean, I get it. it. You know, we as a company don't have anything set up like that. Um, 
where you have to hit like certain tiers. But we do try to, I mean, but there's still like internal systems that I set up for myself, right? So if I have something coming from, you know, one of my brands that I know so-and-so loves that brand and they buy anything that comes from them. So let's say Kilhoman, you know, they buy a ton mm-hmm. of Kilhoman. Mm-hmm. If I get a special edition Kilhoman, they're going to be one of the first people that I reach out to about it because one, they're already interested. So it's a much easier sell. And then two, you know, it's something that they're also going to know is going to be attractive to their kill home and buyers. So with that being the case, it's kind of like, it's a win-win. Um, now that's not always the case. And, you know, if, if somebody inquires about something, I'm going to sell them it, you know, and well, for the most part, that's legally, that's what you, what you have to, <laughs> right? something, you know, it, if yeah. it's in the warehouse, you have to sell it right. legally. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is a hundred percent true. So, um, so, you know, I, I look forward to kind of seeing what happens with, you know, with this, I mean, it's, it's really strange to see a company making all these different moves. Um, so close together. Um, yeah. I mean, they, they have, they have been on a acquisition pitch the last, last fuck nine months. Six months? I I don't know. It's been it's been a whirlwind, and there's been a lot of other things happening in the world. So I don't my my <laughs> everything about 2020 and the time from tri- timeline of the last nine months is um, it's all a blur. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's yeah. There's no doubt about that. Um, but uh, you know, like I said, I mean, we'll see how it ends up shaking out for for everybody. But you know, now. If you uh, if you were a big Paul Masson brandy drinker, um, it's with Sazerac now. So that's our that's our little gift for you, and, uh, <laughs> and all that. Um, okay, so moving on to our next stories, and we're actually running into two mini stories because they kind of they're kind of connected in, in a certain way. But um, we're recording this on June twenty eighth. And on July 4th in the UK, they will be reopening their bars. Now, obviously, that doesn't mean, you know, July 4th here is a much bigger deal than it is over there. Um, so they're trying to drown their sorrows in their biggest loss ever. But um, <laughs> two big brands um, did some really cool things uh, for it. So one of them is Jägermeister. And they are going to be donating 1 million shots to celebrate the reopening of pubs and bars in England England next week, which is just insane. Um, That is going to be one dope frat party. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Um, So so Michael Cleary, who's the managing director of Jägermeister UK, was was quoted as saying, you know, cash flow is going to be one of the biggest concerns for for operators when they're finally able to, to reopen. So we want to support them the best that we can. Um, and to one of the things that we were talking about before we started recording was in the UK, they can actually be given bottles by the suppliers. Oh man, they could be given a lot of things by the suppliers. They don't have, they don't have tight house laws like we do. So, um, you know, I talked to friends in Europe who I was like, Oh, Hey, like, how did you, how did you get to X and X place? How did you go? They're like, oh yeah, my the you know the brand just paid for me to go. I was like, did they have to like shuffle it around? They're like, no, they legit just like showed up with money and said, here, here's a plane ticket. 
go. And I was like, God damn it. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and not to say that you can't do a lot of those things here as a bartender, but again, here in the US, you operate in a much more of a gray area. And the way that those trips get paid for, you know, is can be interesting to say the least. Yeah, um, that's fair. Uh, you know, as a person who works with smaller brands, it's basically just kind of like, if you can get here, we'd love to see you. <laughs> but, um, you know, that we can't guarantee anything. So, um, so it's much different than some of my days with some of the bigger companies before, but, uh, but yeah, so, you know, my, they, it doesn't get too much into the details of exactly how they're going to do it, at least in this article. But um, no, but I, I think but you know you and I were talking um, before before the broadcast, and we, you know we're pretty certain that they're just going to hand out bottles, right? You know, cases and totally, and and that's that's that. I mean, it makes the it makes the most sense, right? Um, to do it that way, yeah. Um, but uh, but we'll see. I mean, they they seem to be confident in it, and. We're of course excited for all of our friends over there because you know they haven't gotten any close closer to tree opening, and so to do it this week will be huge for them. Um, to piggyback that, the, another one that we wanted to share that was you know somewhat related to the UK and some of the things that they're that they're doing. Um, there were a ton of. Glenfiddich bottles sold at auction. Um, there was more than 13,000 bidders from 55 countries. In total, these, this auction raised around $267,000. Um, yeah, and basically the point of this auction was to raise money for local space-side causes that were most affected by the COVID-19 crisis. So it's going to be split between NHS Grampian, Moray Food Plus, and Kyrian's Legacy. Um, what they had auctioned off was a uh, was a Glenfiddich expression that was 13 years old. Uh, it was in Warehouse 26 and was finished in a sherry cask. Uh, it was bottled at 65.7% ABV. So that is a white hot whiskey. Um, yeah. And I mean, that is, is not hiding anything. No, no. Uh, I, I would encourage everybody who's interested to look up this bottle because it's also just gorgeous. Um, only 450 bottles of this Glenfiddich from 2007 were made. And again, all this money is going to these, to these charities. So just a really, I mean, just a feel good story. You know, I mean, Glenfiddich is one of, if not the biggest producer of single malts, I think, uh, their, their production rates are out of control, but I think they always kind of do some cool stuff too. And this is just further proof of that. Um, yeah, I, 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 I think also for folks looking to get into scotch, Glenfiddich is always that, that like perfect gateway drug I find. Yeah. Um, unless you're a psycho like me and you needed Laphroaig to be your first, but, um, uh, I, I think it's just a archetypal scotch. Yeah. You know, I think, I, and, and it, it always will be, it's just, it's just one of those brands that just hits a lot of aha moments for people whenever I give it to them. It's a great company. And, you know, William Grant, um, 
the parent company, uh, I, they always do a lot of, a lot of really cool things. And, um, I think that's, I think this is indicative of that, you know, raising, raising money, releasing a really dope whiskey in order to do it. It's a win-win, you know, anybody who likes Glenfiddich, they're going to be all about it. So. Yeah. I mean, I certainly appreciate, um, Glenfiddich for, for some of his more of like experimental barrels as well. And, um, you know, you're actually one of two people. I know that your first experience with, um, with, uh, scotch was, was Lefroig and you both loved it and that's what you got you into it, which I think is crazy. Right. Cause as uh, you so, said, so to, to be clear, uh, Lefroig wasn't my first experience with scotch by like by any stretch. I'd been drinking fucking Johnny Walker since I was 18. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I just didn't like it very much. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, and you know, your typical, you know, early, you know, early twenties, late teens, I guess if you're, yeah, you know, a bad person like me, um, you drink a lot of things just to drink them. You know, you're not, you're drunking, you're not drinking. Uh, yeah, and, totally. Uh, we were, you know, me and my friends were also fairly, uh, uh, arrogant. And so we bought expensive things to drunk just cause. Um, but it wasn't until it, yeah, it wasn't until, um, uh, a, a friend of mine who's still a friend of mine, much older man, uh, ex sailor, uh, sat me down and, uh, shared a, shared a bottle of Laphroaig with him. Um, and he like regaled me with all his old sailor stories. And I was like, yup, I'm into this. This is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it was a combination of a few different things wasn't just yeah, well it was also something unlike anything i'd ever had before right you know, like that when that peat bomb man that when that gets you and if it's if it doesn't turn you off immediately and it more intrigues you i think you're stuck yeah yeah totally um I, you know i like to say with anytime that you're talking pete is it pete acts as the gatekeeper you know and if you're persistent you'll get in, but you have to be persistent. You have to be willing to get past that gatekeeper. But once you do get past the gatekeeper, it's like the greatest thing ever because there's just so much cool stuff. Um, and there's so many, there's so many flavors and you know, that peat is, it gives way to, to sweetness and, you know, obviously I don't need to sell you on a peated whiskey, but I just wish more people, you know, would, would give it the college try and not just be like, Oh, I can't stand smoky stuff. It's like, man, you have no idea what you're missing. And by college try, we mean drink it until you vomit and you wake up and you go to class and you come home and you drink it again. That's... Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's exactly what I mean. Uh, so yeah, so that was, that was really great. And you know, we're excited for, again, we're excited for our friends to, to get back, um, you know, to a little bit of normalcy and, Hopefully, um, they have better luck than we do because as of Friday this past week, or actually no, as of today, it was announced, uh, at least in California, that bars will be shutting back down in certain counties. And then this past Friday, which would have been the 26th of June, um, Texas and Florida closed down their bars. Um, yeah, just three short weeks after having opened them as well. Well, depending on, on what places we're talking about, but yeah. 
Yeah, uh, I know Texas had one of the shortest lockdowns at 28 days. Um, I'm not even sure if Florida ever locked down. Uh, no, they they did. They definitely didn't. I mean, Ron DeSantis was one of those one of those politicians who was quite adamant about it not affecting anything that happened in Florida. Yeah, which uh, wasn't smart because uh, <laughs> obviously you've seen case explosions in both those places and then California is definitely trending that way as well. Um, yeah, we're looking at epicenters epicenters for COVID outbreaks right now being Texas, Florida, and Arizona being being the highest um, this week, showing uh, showing record high cases. Um, this week alone, we reported almost forty thousand cases um, in a single week. Thirty nine thousand nine hundred seventy two cases uh, was reported by Johns Hopkins University. Uh, on Thursday. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Robert Redfield, uh, the director of the CDC says the number, the number is actually likely to be 10 times higher, which means that 6% of the U S is people who have been infected and are at risk. And then on top of that, uh, we also had high fatalities, uh, New Jersey alone added um, 1,854 to the toll of fatalities this last week. It's fucking sad. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you know, and again, keeping this as a industry focused um, podcast, I know for a lot of us, we've been put into a completely unwinnable situation. The as a whole and here, especially in California, we were put into the Kobayashi Maru situation. <laughs> and for those of you who don't know what that is, it is a test that is put together that's unwinnable. And it was done in the Star Trek series, and it's supposed to show what a captain's really made of and what they do in a scenario where they literally can't win. It's a no-win scenario. Um so wait, I'm going to stop you here. Are we suggesting that Donald Trump is is Captain Kirk in that he just refuses to play the game? Well, no, because Captain Kirk is charming and like a fair and Continue. he adjusted the test and then made it a winning situation. You know, um, Trump has not done that <laughs> at all. <laughs> um, it's but I mean, but as a as a bartender, as a bar owner, as a manager, server, hostess, what, whatever part, you know, chef, you know, but whatever part you, you fit into this equation, um, you know, it, it just, it didn't seem like it was the right time to get into it. Um, but I know people were eager to, and yes, unemployment has been very beneficial for a lot of people, but you know, this is an industry full of people who work very hard and take a lot of pride in the work that they do. And I think for a lot of them, you know, it was nice to kind of have that paid vacation for a few months, but they were like, okay, I want to get back to it. Now from there, you know, you immediately get reminded about how much people suck as a consumer base. And you just start to hear all these horror stories and all these Karens from every which corner coming out of the woodwork, you know, and now like I, as we said, 
Texas is shut back down. Florida shut down. California at this point has eight counties that are shut down and seven that are recommended to shut down. Um, uh, yeah. And what we say shut down, what we're referring to are, are bars and nightclubs specifically. Restaurants are still open uh, across the board, um, still at 50% capacity and social distancing, social distancing protocols still in place, but we're talking about bars and nightclubs specifically that are uh, shutting back down. Um, with the exception of Imperial Imperial County here in California, which is be which is the highest per capita uh, COVID rate, and and uh, Gavin Newsom is is strongly suggesting that they go back entirely to shelter in place. Um, and I mean, don't you get the, kind of the feeling though that it's like a matter of time, right? Before, well, yeah, I mean, it, it's a it's a law of exponentials man like of course and there were so many people who were just out so many people who don't want to believe that it exists so many people who think that even if it exists it's not as bad as other people are saying uh so many people uh who make it a point of pride to just say fuck you to everybody else i'm just going to do what i want anyway Uh, and it doesn't even take that many people who do that for this to be such a clusterfuck just based on law of exponentials. Right. Um, and it's really, it's really, really sad. Uh, the, I think the like the saddest irony in all of it is that it's people who are saying, well, fuck you. You know, I, I got to work, I got to feed my kids, you know, but then they're not willing to play the adult to do the things that are necessary to make it all. Okay. Right. <laughs> so we can all go to work and we can all feed our kids. So we can all just like, get on and figure out how how the world is going to continue and what the economy is going to do. Uh, you know, you're not you're not going to have a healthy economy even if you're well, willing to let people die. But especially if you're willing to let people die, you're not going to have a healthy economy. You know, you lose a million people where we lost over 100,000 people in 4 months. What? That's fucking insane. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Even if you don't believe those numbers, even if you take it to half, that's yeah. nuts. That's a lot of people. There's no way after a year of this and given a law of exponentials, <laughs> if you, even if you just let it go, un, if you, even if you just let it go untethered, that we end up with a healthy economy at the, at the back end of it. The only way we end up with a healthy economy is everybody starts acting like adults and takes this shit seriously so we can all get back to work. Right. Right. Well, I mean, and um it's been it's been super weird situation, but like the fact that something like this has been politicized, you know, like it's almost a conservative talking point to be like, it's not that serious. I'm not gonna wear a mask, you're not gonna infringe upon my rights and stuff like that. And Yeah, but it's not you know, it's not I think I think that the the right has definitely taken ownership of uh of not accepting it but you know i have conspiracy theorist friends on the left who are very much in the same boat you know (laughs) who are just you know i refuse to live my life afraid they're just trying to control us i'm like who's this day anthony fauci is trying to control you like (laughs) yeah it doesn't make any sense like you're like your your conspiracy only goes as water deep you know foot deep whatever it just doesn't 
it doesn't add up even with the slightest pressure. On top of it, I fucking had it. So anybody comes at me and tells me that it's fake, I'm going to slap them in their face. Yeah. Um, well, and, you know, of course, there's been all these things as well where it's like, oh, we're just going to limit, you know, like Trump saying we're going to limit tests. And you're just kind of like, that's not how it works. That's not how numbers go away. That's not how any yeah. of this works. Um, but I but do, you know, bringing it back to the industry, it's like, man, what a what a horrible situation and all these people who kind of were starting to get back into this new rhythm of new earth and, you know, trying to make the best steps. Now, granted, there were a lot of people who were trying to do the right things, but then there was that same group of people who also come in the form of bar owners and bar managers and tenders and stuff like that, that, you know, we had examples in Sacramento. um, And I know there was examples everywhere of people just not caring at all. And putting people more at risk. Yeah, there was. I was actually on a on a. Uh, I was texting a friend of mine earlier today who was thinking about coming to town, um, this week, and he said, "Okay, but how bad is it really?" Because <laughs> he had already read the news. You know, we already he'd already had the announcement. He was like, "What is going on?" And I was like, "Well, you have to understand. Like downtown's not so bad. We had one or two bars that just didn't care." They said, screw everybody else. We're cooler than you. We're not going to listen to this. Subsequently, now there are like five of them that are forced shut already just to downtown. But then you had all the suburbs like out near you. Which, you know, you said you went out and there was just no social distancing. There was no safety protocol whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and, and that was, you know, going out at times of like dead hours, you know like normal work hours. I, I wouldn't even think to go Friday, Saturday night, but oddly enough, the County that I live in is not on the shutdown list or even a recommended That's shutdown right. list. Yeah. So, which I thought was really interesting. Um, I do feel that there's been a shift with some people, um, not obviously in time, but there, there has been a shift where people are trying a little bit more because I, I am seeing more people wearing masks now. Um, again, I'm not going out for dinner. I'm not going out to nightclubs. I mean, that was a thing I didn't do before. Still not doing it. Um, so that hasn't changed much. But I, I do notice that people are being a little bit more attentive. But on the flip side, I think with the growing numbers that people have seen, um, and this was reflected through a few conversations that I had today with, uh, with friends and, and different owners is that this weekend was a pretty slow weekend for a lot of people. And I think, I think people are looking at it kind of like, Ooh, you know what? Maybe it's not worth it to go out and get a drink, you know? So I think, um, um, a lot of people are starting to transition back to full blown, um, to go menus, even if they don't have to. Um, I think that's, that's definitely, uh, a move that a lot of people need to make and you can't drag your feet on it because I know. I feel, you know, I feel really, really bad for a lot of my bartender friends, um, and, and ownership friends too. A lot of owner friends who, who, uh, received PPP loans and were forced to bring, their employees back off of unemployment. And we knew that this was going to happen. 
And now that they're back off of unemployment, these employees are making terrible money. You know, not even like what they made prior. This is like, or what they were making on unemployment, which may or may not have been more, but honestly, who cares? They're making awful money now. And now if we're looking at shutting back down, the chances of getting like, are they going to go back to their unemployment that they were getting before, you know, the first time, or is their new unemployment going to be affected by how much money they were making now? Like that's terrible. Yeah. Yeah, It's, um, it's, it's, it's crazy because even with some of people like going back to work over the past few weeks, I mean, we had our, um, like 17th or 18th week in a row of over a million people filing unemployment claims, you know, unheard of. Yeah. It's crazy. So, um, it's just, I know that we've tried to do our best not to be doom and gloom on this podcast. And we've tried to inject different conversations and we've tried to, you know, offer an escape, but, I can't help but to to feel just completely burnt out and almost in you know and and I found ways to survive and and transition my business but I just I don't know how sustainable that is even for me and the enjoyment that I got out of my job before it, it's not there anymore you know cuz it's just having to navigate this world sucks and I'm in a much better position yeah. than most, you know, at least I have a job to still go back to and I can make different adjustments and things like that, but it's not fun. It's not fun at all. And so, you know, and to your point, it's like these people who might have to go back onto unemployment, like what is that scenario going to look like and how bad can it really be? I mean, if you think about how long it took people to get paid the first go round, you know, has the system gotten better or is it, I mean, to me, it, it's supposed to end – the federal additional grant is supposed to end at the end of July, correct? I believe so. Yeah, that sounds that – sounds So accurate. is it going to get um, – is that going to get extended? I mean, are we going to see legislation through for restaurants? I don't know. It's – you know, that that also is getting politicized, you know? Uh, of course it is, you know? I mean, politics have to do with people, so – I get that. And right now we're this, like the story we were talking about last week. And, you know, when we first started this podcast was the tariffs, we're looking at it at an administration and a political party now that is sitting on months of empirical failures. And, you know, whether or not you want to say that they are or not, however you want to spin it, that's okay. But you're looking, you're looking at a tanked economy. You're looking at a, you know, hundred thousand people plus dead, uh, you're looking at millions of people sick. Um, you're looking at failed, uh, failed health care system. Um, you know, it doesn't look good. So they need a win. So, but I don't personally have faith in, in this party to be able to decide what a win would look like. That makes sense to me. You know, to me, I say that they, I wouldn't be surprised if they look at these 100% tariffs and go, yeah, okay, like if there's a chance that that gets us like a little bit of a win with even, you know, a section of our of of the economy, then great, cool, like we'll take it. You know, even if even if it hurts in the long run. 
you know, even if it makes us look strong right now, you know, um, so that's, that's what I'm terrified about. You know, it's just the, the doubling down and the tripling down of this, whatever yeah. this is. Yeah. I think that's been the thing that's been the most upsetting is that there's, there's just more of kind of like a digging your heels in and making matters worse. Um, and you know, I, I, I feel for people, I understand why they opened back up when they didn't feel safe, you know? And we're now in this position to where you're probably going to be forced to shut back down. But if, if relief doesn't come, and I know that there's like the restaurant association is working on a bill that's designed to help um, bars and restaurants. And I remember reading, you know, one of the caveats was, you know, your annual revenue, what can't be over a million dollars, you know, that disqualifies a lot more people than, than people realize, you know, and it's it's going to be interesting to see exactly what happens with that. Um, now, again, the numbers could start to flatten off, and maybe we don't do a full-blown shutdown again. But Well, hey, here's the thing is, you know, the, I, I, I saw a lot of people talking about, oh, here comes, uh, you know, the second wave. I'm like, this is – it's important to realize that this is not the second wave. This is still the first wave that – the curve didn't get flattened. We hit a plateau and then everybody said, cool, it stopped raining. Let's put our umbrellas yeah. away. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and then ran outside and was like, oh, fuck, it's still raining. And now they, everybody's might run back inside and other people are screaming, don't run back inside. You'll look like a bitch. If yeah. You do. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, man, it's just, you know, again, and I know we, we hear it from everybody, but it's just nobody knows what to do. It's such uncharted waters. No, and, and I think that that's okay. I think it's okay to not know what to do. I think I think that the um, the serious problem comes when you pretend to know what you, what to do, and you are unwilling to listen to other people who say, "Well, I'm not exactly sure, but this sounds like a good right. idea," or you know, "Okay, let's try it and just see," type of thing. And, then everybody goes, fuck you. No, you're a Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just nonstop nonsense. So, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Like I said, we just got the announcement in California today. So, I mean, I, yeah, you're going to have to forgive us, uh, Drew and I for having a, a little bit of a melancholy in our tone. Yeah. Today. We're still processing. Um, it, it, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a little bit of a bummer. It's a lot of bit of a bummer. Um, you know, uh, honestly, my, my business will still be open We're we're deemed essential, um, uh, you know, for better or worse, but, um, we're not happy about it. You know, I mean, um, even though I'm not shut down, I'm in the epicenter of businesses and government and everything that that brings to town, you know, and nightclubs and bars. And other than that, it's a ghost town around, around my business. So it's not like this is helping me any. Right. Yeah. Um, but I don't want to talk about this anymore because this sucks. Um, I do want to talk about something that is great. And that's my social media. I like my social things. media follow this week. Mm. So mm. I don't know if you have one. I'm going to say mine first to give you time to figure it out. Um, so it, it, again, this isn't an, an account that's new to me. 
but they just have done some really fun stuff over the past week. And it's actually the Lost Lake Instagram. And Lost Lake is a tiki bar in Chicago. And their Instagram handle is Lost Lake Loves You. And the reason that I'm super stoked on them this week is because very um, – I think about a week ago, uh, public records were revealed that Chick-fil-A had made another ginormous din- donation to anti-LGBT um, groups. And so Lost Lake does this pop-up, and I think they did it today actually, and it is called Chick Feel Gay. And yep, they basically <laughs> just copy everything out of um, Chick Fil A's menu, but then they just put rainbows all over it, and they sell it out of their bar, and then all of their money gets um, they donate all the money to different charities that are more focused on like uh, so like the the LGBTQ center located in the South side of Chicago and they're doing all kinds of fun stuff. So it was just, you know, again, in a sea of shit to see what looked like a Chick-fil-A sandwich wrapped in rainbow wrapping paper. I was just like, this is the best. This is exactly what I needed right now. I agree. That was, uh, that made me feel uh, all the warm and tingles when I saw it, it was, uh, it was pretty great. Yeah. So, so that's my social media follow this week. All right. Mine is, uh, uh, following a hashtag. Okay. Uh, huh. so, um, there is a designer in Africa. Um, I, you're going to have to forgive me. I don't know which country he's from, uh, but he's very prolific. Uh, and it's Max Hosa, M A X H O S A. Uh, and if you follow the hashtag, um, the, the designs, um, are, and the style of clothing is phenomenal. Um, a lot of it is traditional. A lot of it is contemporary, um, a a huge mix between the two of traditional, uh, African garb with, uh, with contemporary, um, stylings to it. It's red. I mean, and then you end up with people who, who wear pieces that are inspired by, by him for their weddings or just going out for the night or runway shows. It's awesome. So if you want like a sort of just a different view of, of fashion and, and, uh, just something with color and style and flair that, uh, maybe you just don't always see, I really, uh, it, it, it really brightens up my day to have that run across my, uh, my Instagram feed. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm looking at it right now. This is great. Hopefully Nancy Pelosi doesn't see this and she'll try to copy it. <laughs> uh, that's you know, a good one. We got to, we got to, I mean, they do make, they do make scars. Take shots so. at all of these fucking piles. Hey man, shit. if you can't, if you can't be serious about funny things and if you, and if you can't be funny about serious things, then what the fuck yeah. are we doing? You know? Yeah, I, I agree. So I just, I'll get worn out on this whole life thing real fast. That is like, definitely, definitely the truth. But um, all right, buddy. Well, that's all I have for you. Well, I feel like there's a joke there. I um I don't know. I, I, I don't have it. <laughs> well, next week. I'll tweet it later or go. something. 
or it'd be like my shower, my shower joke. Oh, I should have said this to Drew when he said that. Well, next time. Maybe that's how I start. Maybe that's how I start off our next. I'm looking forward to it. Um, (laughs) So, so again, to wrap up, if you guys, all 17 of you who listen, have an idea of what you would like to be called as good bottle podcast listeners, please reach out to either Chris or I and let us know what it is. Cause we're, I'm, I'm going with the goody two crews. I mean, I'm still on bottleheads. So yeah, <laughs> um, that's where I'm at with it. Bungholes. Uh, you know, it's actually, it's funny that you say that because when I did my Glen Alecky whiskey tasting on, on Saturday, we were talking with David Keir, who's their head of sales and marketing. And he brought up this obscure whiskey, whiskey group, um, that's based out of like Sweden or something like that. And he goes, you guys got to check out this group. It's this group of whiskey enthusiasts. I don't know if they're still active, but they were before. And, um, it's just really fun. And sure enough, they are, um, they don't post nearly as much as they used to, but I think it's starting to pick up again. Um, the public group is known as bunghole sniffers and you can, and you can, and they basically, it's just, it's picture after picture after picture of guys putting their noses into the bunghole and <laughs> it's so funny um and for everybody at home that's just like where you when you know when you would taste either wine out of like the little hole in the barrel that's what they're sticking their nose into um it's you know obviously completely ridiculous and somewhat inappropriate but amazing all at the same time so uh i guess it's a- i feel like um i feel like I want to be friends with them. Uh, yeah. I mean, talk about a great sense of humor, right? And like real friends, not, not like social media <laughs> friends I mean like actual friends. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I mean, maybe it starts on social media and then you eventually, it eventually becomes real. So we'll see, you'll see what happens. Yeah, Got to manifest that destiny. There you go. Um, all right, buddy. Well, you have a good rest of your evening and, uh, everybody send in whatever you want to be called as a listener and we'll see you next week. Adios muchachos. The good bottle podcast is a product of fluid concepts. Episodes are produced, edited, and uploaded by Christopher Sinclair. The music comes to us by two very talented brothers, Leon and Chase Moore. Interact and follow us on social media at The Good Bottle Podcast.